0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap.
1: Tony, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks, that's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the central division. That's right, I'm a meatball.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Socks on Tap. This is Tony Marchese. I'm joined tonight by Steve. Steve, this was a rough one, my friend. How
1: are you doing, man? Hey, Tony, I've been better, man. Um, nothing worse than staying up late to watch a watch a game after a long weekend and uh, seeing seeing the Sox shit themselves. I don't know what else you can really say. Uh, shit themselves
0: is a good term for this one tonight. Uh, this was this was a little bit rough, like we said. Uh, final score tonight. Angel 7, White Sox 4. Uh, the Sox offense did not get the job done uh, at all tonight. Uh, they were uh, able to get some runs on the board uh, just with some interesting ways. We'll talk about that a little bit later, Steve. Uh, and uh, let's just jump right into this first inning, man. It's a late one tonight, Steve. Uh, it is... Just after midnight, as we're doing this post game show, so we're going to try and keep this one quick, uh, as quick as we can. There's a lot to break down here, but Steve, we get into the first inning. Uh, this is the first start for Dylan Cease this season. Uh, let's get into that first inning, man, because uh, the trouble started early.
1: Yeah, look, a lot of the same that we've seen from Dylan Cease here in his brief uh, stint with the Sox. Uh, gives up that big first inning home run to Shohei Otani. First pitch he sees. Tries to do what the Sox have been doing against him for the entirety of the weekend, trying to elevate the high fastball. Otani was ready for it, jumped on it, hit that thing to the moon. I don't know if it's landed yet. I don't know if that one
0: did ever lands, Steve. Uh, that that was just a rocket shot uh, off the bat of Otani, and uh, there was there was no uh, <laughs> there, there was not a shortness of uh, a love for Sohei Otani uh, from the broadcast crew tonight. Um, and we're, we're going to dive right into that right away because uh, you saw Otani come out in the first inning uh, and just kind of cruise uh, through, the first, through the first inning. And then he gets up to the plate and he just absolutely crushes one. And I think the sound off of that one, Steve, was a little bit exaggerated. Now, that ball did leave the yard rather quickly, uh, but they definitely had a camera or a microphone right next to the batter tonight, Steve. That, that, was, uh, that was a loud home run.
1: I've noticed that over the course of the last two or three years with any of the ESPN Sunday night broadcasts, uh, the positioning of their mics just makes the impact um, of the the bat and the ball sound a little bit more impactful than it would in just about any other stadium uh, during any other nationally televised or regionally televised game. So it's just very bizarre. It sounds like it's being shot out of a cannon. It just makes any time that the bat makes contact with the ball, it seems like it's just a really loud, contact and and it's just it's excessive at this point they need to figure that out
0: it was it was and I I wasn't really ready for that one I don't think Steve uh, I'll just be honest when I heard that Otani uh home run I was like Jesus Christ man he murdered that thing and obviously he did but uh it seemed like every fly ball that uh, was hit tonight sounded like that uh Steve um but as we go on here Steve Dylan Cease uh, gives up that home run gets himself in a little bit of trouble um Early on in this one, uh, as L.A. does get out uh, to a 2-0 lead there in the first, uh, they also add another one in the fourth, Steve. Let's talk just overall. Uh, You said you had some thoughts on Dylan Cease's first start overall here.
1: Like I said earlier, it's more of the same what we saw from him in 2019, 2020, lack of consistent fastball command, lack of ability to establish secondary offerings, Um, At one point in the second inning, the broadcast crew actually made note of this, that of the first 10 hitters he faced, he only threw three first pitch strikes. So falling behind hitters consistently very early on in, in this game here. And just the overall lack of swings and misses. He threw over 90 pitches today. He got nine swings and misses throughout the entirety of his performance. For a guy that throws as hard as he does naturally, that has... A, a slider that should be a plus pitch. He just can't generate swings and misses. And you and I were talking about this during the course of the game. The Angels were seemingly on everything all night. And even when he would get ahead of guys 0 2 1 2, again, having issues putting guys away. This has been a hallmark of Dylan Cease's young career to this point, and it's something that persisted again here tonight. We were kind of told and promised that working with Ethan Katz was going to correct some of these issues. It's still very well made. But through this first outing here tonight, it was more of the same, unfortunately. Definitely more of the same for him. And one thing that I've
0: harped on, uh, especially all last year, uh, and just with Dylan Cease in general, is that that first inning home run, you, you've seen him settle in. He did kind of settle in here tonight, uh, but it's important for him to get through those first two innings and really set a tone, Steve. Uh, and it just looks exactly the same uh, version of Dylan Cease that we saw uh, so far, like you said, in, in his uh, White Sox career. Um, are you concerned yet? Is it too early to be concerned about Dylan Cease? Just one start. Where are you at? Because I think that, you know, overall, there's a tone here that we've had through this first weekend.
1: Are you worried about Dylan Cease at all after start number one? After start number one, no, I'm not. Um, more, I'm not any more concerned than I was coming into the season. Let me say that. I, I have some reservations about him and what his future is going to be overall. I think that this is going to be a pivotal season for him. Um, he certainly needs to have some sense of direction here and needs to right the ship now at this point. Um, This is really, I think, the do-or-die season for him at at this juncture here. One start isn't going to really sway me on that here, so I'm going to need a little bit more volume and a little bit more data before I can really make an educated decision on on if I, I think it's time to move on from Dylan Cease here at this juncture. But the one start today, look, we're not off to a great start. But I, I guess there's there's no other way to put it. Yep. Final line on Cease tonight, four and two-thirds, gives up five hits, three runs,
0: all three of those earned. Three walks, three strikeouts, does give up the homer to Otani uh, in the first inning. Uh, Cody Hoyer comes in uh, for Dylan Cease there. And um, Cody Hoyer uh, early on as well this year, Steve, also another guy that just hasn't looked like his 2020 self um, at all in this bullpen. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Hoyer, Steve. What you, would you see out of him tonight?
1: Just made a made a bad pitch to to Walsh. Um, you know, this is something that would be a theme later on in the game. And and you know, Walsh is a guy that in his two starts this weekend has swung the bat very well and is proving to be a pretty competent hitter in that Angels lineup, helping to provide a little bit of additional length outside of the top five guys that they have in that particular order there. Um, I'm a big Cody Hoyer fan, and everybody knows that I'm a big fan of this bullpen in general and what I think they can be. Uh, They did not perform this weekend. It's just that simple. There were certainly a number of defensive miscues that took place behind them that did not help their cause, but overall, they did not pitch to their capabilities this weekend. It's just that simple. I do believe that there is the talent here and that they are going to right the ship, but they didn't get it done here. Know and and that's a big part of the reason why this team is one and three now going on and playing to Seattle.
0: Yep, moving on. Uh, Cody Hoyer, uh, one and a third, three hits, does give up a run, uh, that was off the home run. Uh, bummer, uh, also came into the game, worked a pretty clean inning there despite one walk. And then we saw Jose Ruiz time, Steve. Um, as I'm moving on here, just through the pitching, we'll kind of cruise through that. The Sox did. Uh, Get three runs there in the fifth, Steve. Um, And that one was a little bit of uh, a gift, so to speak, off the Yohan Mankata drop third strike. Do you want to talk uh, before we get into the back half of this bullpen? uh, Let's talk a little bit about how the White Sox got their runs across. Uh, Steve, break that play down for everybody. Uh, it was just a little bit of uh, luck I think rather than uh, some some execution because we'll get into some of this runners and scoring position position stuff and and the failure to deliver timely hits tonight um, but uh, let's let's touch on that fifth inning there.
1: <laughs> luck would be a little bit of an understatement here in in the all or part of five different decades that I've been watching this game to quote, The the great Hawk Harrelson here. I have never seen a dropped third strike that allowed two runs to score. Um, It simply was mind-boggling. I I saw this happen, and and my first initial thought was, "What the hell am I watching here?" Um, Between between that and you know the throwing error that allowed the Sox to score their first run, they they generated or they scored three runs without the. Ability to get a base hit to knock in a run. And it truly is, I think, a, a sign and a little bit of a testament of how bad the weekend was for them overall. Um, offensively, aside from that game on Friday night, they just simply have not been able to get a key hit in a pivotal situation to drive in runs. And they usually were gift-wrapped three runs today by shoddy defense from the Angels. I mean, there's
0: just no other way to put it. Yep, 0 for 11 tonight, Steve, with runners in scoring position. That's not going to get the job done this year. Um, and, and, and as we said when we opened the show, the Sox lost this ball game. They didn't deserve to win this ball game, in my opinion, Steve, because when you're 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position, uh, you don't deserve to win. Uh, it was amazing to me that we were tied in this game in the ninth inning. Like it, it, it was just absolutely amazing that we were tied in the ninth inning. We'll talk a little bit about how we scored that run uh, in the ninth to tie it. Uh, but before that, uh, Aaron Bummer, like I said, uh, works that clean inning. Then we see Jose Ruiz, Steve and Jose Ruiz comes in, in the eighth inning and works himself a clean inning. Looks good. Uh, but you know, my finger was on the trigger there. Like this is national television, one run ball game in the eighth inning. And we've talked ad nauseum about how stacked this White Sox bullpen is. And I know we've seen a couple of guys come in and out, and Tony La Russa has said that he wants to, you know, get everybody involved in this first series out of spring training. Uh, but were you shocked at all that Jose Ruiz comes into that game, or was it just the momentum that felt like this was like Jose Ruiz' mop-up time to you?
1: I would say that I, I was very surprised to see Jose Ruiz come in in that particular spot there. Um, obviously, the bullpen has been taxed very much this weekend by the starters' inability to go deep into games, as I talked about uh, a little little bit earlier here. But to, to go to Ruiz in that spot was very surprising to me. And then to see him go back out there to start the ninth inning, I think was the thing that surprised me the most. After, after as you mentioned, he did work a pretty clean and, and effective eighth inning, so that would have been a nice confidence booster for him. Um, to then see him go back out there to start – that that ninth inning was very puzzling to me, to say the least.
0: Yes, it, it was puzzling. I think to a lot of people, uh, not just us, to see him go back out to the ninth. Thought we would have saw Liam Hendricks there. Uh, obviously, we didn't. Jose Ruiz uh, out there to start the ninth, and then to face Trout, uh, Tony La Russa uh, pulls a little troll job there. Uh, waits till the absolute last second to go out and give Ruiz the hook, and he comes back with Matt Foster who just absolutely uh, put some gas past Trout, although uh, did miss a pitch in that sequence, Steve, that could have went a long way. So he got away with one right there. So the game could have gotten even further somewhat out of hand uh, at that point in time uh, had Trout been able to just end it. Uh, But we get through that. We get through that, so we're feeling okay. Uh, But then Foster uh, gets himself uh, in another spot. And, Steve, let's talk about how this one
1: ended. Jared Walsh, I mean, got a, got another fastball out over the plate, and they had Mike Trout miked up earlier in the game saying that uh, Walsh does not miss fastballs. He did not miss a fastball, as so he deposited it into the left center field uh, um, rock pile that they, that they have out there just outside of the reach. Of Luis Robert, I think it was. You could make a case that it was another poorly timed jump by Luis Robert. There, um, certainly not an easy play. I'm not saying that by by any any means, but I, I think that's that's a play that could have potentially been made right there. Again, I'm not saying that that was something that was easy, that it was an automatic, should have been out, but um, we've seen Luis have a number of issues Their Timing has jump at the wall um, going back to last season. So from my perspective here, after after seeing it once, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at it again here, that could have been um, a, a little bit of a timing issue again there from Luis. Yeah, I I haven't gotten a chance to go back and watch
0: that a few times. I did feel like there was the ability for him to catch that ball. I think it was. If he did make that catch, though, Steve, I think it would have been, like, absolutely spectacular. Um, It would have had to have been timed absolutely perfectly. Uh, But that's not to say that it wasn't makeable. Um, But overall, I want to go back, and I just want to know, what, what other takeaways do you have from this one? Because I think the first question I have is, you know, this is the end of the series here. Sunday night, um, overall takeaways from this game and
1: just this series in general, where are we at? What's the state of the Sox? The, the biggest takeaway for me is that Tony Larusa is not inspiring these guys to hit with runners in scoring position. <laughs> no, But the, to, to be serious here, um, the offensive approach overall I think was just piss poor for the majority of, of the weekend series here. Aside from that game on Friday night, there were a couple of key circumstances that he had passed that Buzz and I had talked about during, during the post game show. But overall, a lot of the issues that we've seen from this Sox team over the course of the last few years of guys just going up there and just being in swing mode right away, not working counts, not getting a good quality pitch to drive. And listen, this is obviously a, a very pro Jose Abreu uh, show that that we do here. We have to call him out here because Jose Abreu had two he at bats in this ball game here with opportunities to drive in runs with less than two outs, and he did not get the job done. And that certainly came back to bite this team in the ass here tonight. Um, this has not just been a Jose Abreu problem entirely here, but a- again, this team as a whole needs to clean up the offensive approach here, get themselves into some better hitters counts, and then when they get themselves in those counts, drive the baseball and do some damage. Um, that that's the biggest thing. And then the starters, they got to find a way to be giving some more length to their performances here. So that the bullpen is not as taxed. Those are my two biggest takeaways. Steve, I agree with everything you said there. Um,
0: number one, it's just, it's going to be this problem over and over again until we start to see some consistency from the offense, uh, especially with runners in scoring position. Um, I know uh, we've had, I, I saw you uh, in an exchange tonight about the, uh, the bunt. Uh, it, you, you hate the bunt. and I feel like we've gone to that type of uh, move the runner over, Uh, mentality just a few too many times here early on this season, Steve. Uh, We're not seeing a lot of extra base hits, driving guys around, just keeping things moving. Uh, It seems very station to station, Um, and they're living and dying that way, Steve. It's not exactly a fluid offense by any means. Uh, You see some struggles out of Luis Robert early, uh, laying off of pitches that are just just shouldn't even be swung at by anybody, Uh, and you'd like to see some better plate discipline there. Um, and, and I think that there's going to be a lot of overreaction early on this season. Uh, for, as, for as mad as I am about this one, uh, Steve, I do realize that we are four games into this season. There's a lot of room for improvement here, uh, but you, you need to see them start to take these steps early because things are going to start to get serious real quick when we start facing the division again. Um, what, are, what are you thinking right now uh, as we head into Seattle, Steve? Uh, you know, you, you talk about the pitching coming together, the offense coming together, uh, and, and which side needs to step up first and which one do you think actually will?
1: I think first and foremost, um, the offense needs to be needs to be the ones to pick things up. They're going to see two lefties this uh, this three game series in Seattle. that has been very well documented. The success that this group has had against left handed starting pitching going back to last season. So hopefully that is the cure for all that ails here to hopefully get this team back, feeling good about themselves, um, having more quality plate appearances and, and score some runs and hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Because let's face it, this team just as a whole does not take a lot of walks. So they need to hit the ball out of the ballpark in order to be successful. They've done that with great regularity against left-handed pitching going back to last season. So I'm looking to see that continue here um, as they go up to Seattle. And then it's going to be very interesting to watch Carlos Rodon. This was a guy that had a very strong spring training, much like Dylan Cease did. And will any of the improvements and will any of the changes that he made working with Ethan Katz, will they translate here in the regular season because the Sox really need one of those two guys to step it up this year at some point. And then the rotation then flips back over to Lucas Giolito and Dallas Keuchel. Again, got to start getting some length out of these starters here, taking some of the load off the bullpen. Interesting pitching matchup coming up tomorrow night,
0: Steve Carlos Rodon, uh, Justice Sheffield, you talked about, um uh Carlos Rodon's spring training being somewhat impressive um back fully healthy right now um and the Seattle Mariners team Steve the only guy on this roster who's faced Carlos Rodon is, is Kyle Seager kind of an interesting note there um considering the fact that uh you know the Sox do play the Mariners uh, quite a bit they have not seen much of Carlos Rodon outside of uh Kyle Seager who has just 3 at bats against him uh, meanwhile, uh, the, the plenty of White Sox have seen Justice Sheffield before. Um, not looking too hot against him overall, though. But, Steve, what are you, what are you looking to see here uh, from Carlos Rodon? You talked about uh, his work with Ethan Katz this offseason and through spring. Uh, what is it going to take for Carlos Rodon to be successful on the mound
1: on Monday? For Carlos Rodon, it's very simple. It's all about establishing fastball command. Getting ahead of a count, getting ahead in counts with that particular pitch to set himself up to be able to utilize that slider to put hitters away. It's very cut and dry with Carlos Rodon. If he can get ahead with strike one, utilizing that fastball, that's going to open up the at bats, and he's going to be in a much better position to be successful against a lineup that really doesn't have a whole lot of punch to it overall. Let's just be honest. Yep.
0: And it's going to be important for him to go six, Steve. I think that that's going to be one of the big things here. You do have uh, kind of a taxed bullpen uh, four games in a row so far for the White Sox. You'd like to see Carlos Rodon at least take a little bit of weight off. Uh, you know, it wasn't exactly the best first time through the rotation. Um, so you're going to need somebody here to pick up those innings and give these guys some rest. Uh, that's what I'm looking for of Carlos. Just keep us in the ball game, get us through to the sixth inning at least. Uh, anything after that's a gift uh, for the White Sox here, Steve. Let's talk about predictions for this upcoming series. Um, what, what, are, what do you think the Sox are going to do here?
1: I think they're going to get two or two out of three. They'll they'll find a way to go three and four on this road trip, which was not ideal. Certainly could have been better, concerning the fact that they had two games that they gave away here this weekend in Anaheim. Um, you know, they could have easily come back. I think you know, five and two from the road trip. But if you come back three and four, you just take that for what it is, first seven games of the year, and, and then you just put your head down and you get back to back to brass tacks and you get to work here for the home opener on Thursday. Loving it, Stephen.
0: that's exactly what I'm going with in my prediction as well. Uh, taking two out of this series is going to be really important for this team, especially the morale of the club as we head back for the home opener. Um, if we start to, start to get into that, uh, you know, uh, one and two are getting swept by the Seattle Mariners. We're going to be in a world of hurt uh, on our way back here and things are going to get even uglier than they are right now. Let's get into and some of the- Sox, And White Sox Twitter will just be a tremendous place to be. Yes. And it already has started to get there, Steve. It already has started to get there. We've seen some interesting things uh, that have been coming out of the woodwork already four games into the season. Uh, can't say that you or I have done anything to stoke that fire uh, by any means, but uh yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get a little bit more interesting. So for the health and safety of all of us, uh, let's hope for, for two out of three uh, up in Seattle. Now, there was one thing that uh, you drew a line on in the sand today, and I'm going to back you up on this one. We get into the eighth inning, and the fans out in L.A. started to do a little something that I think we've, we've seen this happen at Guaranteed Rate Field back in 2019. Last year, there were no fans, so uh, we didn't get any of that nonsense. But Steve – you have the floor uh, to talk about something. I'll, I'll I'll come in with my takes
1: afterwards, but let's go. Let's hear it. Okay. Anybody that knows me, anybody that follows me on Twitter, on social media knows that I'm a big attitude, late 90s era wrestling fan. I'm an NWO guy. I always have, always will be. It is for life, okay? And so when I say that as an NWO guy – I am not a Ric Flair guy. I have hated Ric Flair since I was seven years old. Cut the woo bullshit out. I've had it. I'm done with it enough. All right. You start doing this stuff. You deserve to be jackknife powerbound through a table. I've had it enough. Steve, I agree. And I'm
0: not even a wrestling fan. I I don't, I don't know the whole Ric Flair thing. I know that the, the woo thing is from Ric Flair but it is one of the most obnoxious things to hear at the ballpark or coming through your television while watching a baseball game. In my opinion, this is just my opinion here. This might come off as a hot take or a meatball take to some, it is more disruptive and annoying than the wave in a baseball stadium hearing that because it not only affects the at-home experience, it also affects the in-stadium experience and it's just annoying as fuck. So that that is like the worst thing I can hear during a baseball game. So I, I
1: support you 100 percent there. Yeah, very well said. Cut the shit out. All right. Find something. Let's let's find some new way to express yourself if we're in a late inning situation or in an extra inning situation here. No more of this woo bullshit.
0: No more wooing stuff. All right. So we we've taken a stance here. I don't know how Buzz and Johnny feel about it, but we've taken the stance here. We are anti woo on this podcast. Uh, Steve, before we close this one down, uh, we're going to have to get some picks to click for Monday night. So who are you rolling with?
1: All right. So with Justice Sheffield on the mound here, I am going to go back to Jose Abreu. I'm going to go back to Pito. He had a rough night tonight. He's the reigning MVP. He destroys left hand pitching throughout the course of his career. So I think he's going to get back on track here. And I think he is going to put one over the fence here. He's going to hit a dinger tomorrow. I like it. I
0: am going with Johan Moncada tomorrow night, Steve. Uh, I believe he does have two hits off of Sheffield in his career. Um, you know, I think this is the guy that needs to get things going. We've seen a little bit of a sluggish start out of Yohan Moncada so far. Um, I'd like to just see him have a solid day at the plate. You know, maybe rip a double. Uh, you know, maybe leave the yard a little bit, but just be productive. I want to see at least, uh, you know, two for four, two for three, uh, night with a walk, uh, just get on base and start getting that moving a little bit before we get back home. So I'm going y'all my kind of Steve. I like it. Cuban
1: connection, baby. Let's make it happen. Hey, let's, let's have them both go off.
0: You know, we need, we need a big offensive night. I think that's what we need. Uh, I think when I asked that question, what's going to be more important for the Sox to get going? Uh, you said the offense. I absolutely agree. Uh, we need to see some runs being scored, and I think it's more troubling. I think the Sox have the bullpen depth to get through little stretches like this, um, and not every not every night is going to be filled with bad defense. Uh, so I think we'll see some of that bullpen luck turn around a little bit, but that offense just needs to start clicking, and it needs to start with guys like Yoan Moncada and Jose Abreu, who have been here a little while. Uh Another few notes from tonight. Tim Anderson did leave this game uh, in the first inning after lagging out uh, ground ball um, and uh, came up a little bit lame, looked like a hamstring. I believe that's what was reported. So he is day to day. Uh, We'll have some updates on him over at ontapsportsnet.com. I'm sure as they're released, uh, there is an article up already about him leaving the game. That'll have all the information as it becomes available. Steve, this wasn't a fun one to talk about. It's uh, after midnight uh, it's, it's it's Monday morning now, um, and uh, the Sox just had a rough, rough series in L.A. to start the year, but uh, hopefully we don't have to talk too much more about games like this one tonight, although it's always a pleasure talking White Sox baseball with you, Steve. That's all I have for tonight. Cheers, my friend. Do you have anything else before we close this one down?
1: No, just like you said, look, bad start to the year. You just got to flush it. You got to move on. Go to Seattle, take care of business. You said it best. You said
0: it best, Steve. Well, with that, thank you for tuning in to the Sox On Tap post game presented by On Tap Sports Net and Grandstand. Steve, say it how we always do White Sox forever. White Sox for life.